joining us this morning. Hope you're having a blessed week and thank you for taking time to worship with us. We're starting our summer series this morning through the book of Philippians. If you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn to Philippians chapter 1, I pray that the Lord will speak to your heart today. What an awesome God we serve. God never wastes a hurt. He will always redeem it. The bad part is it's his timing and not ours. And um, this week we, we started our chaser was in training and I gave them all a God book and told them to begin to write down the things in that book that happened that only God could do and already this week we're seeing some great things happen. I want to share with you some thoughts that really go right in sync with what we're talking about and it's in the book of Philippians chapter 1. Our sermon series for the summer will come through the book of Philippians. We're going to go all the way through it and um, man as I've just been preparing for this um, I, I almost just felt like I wanted to read a verse and preach on it. Read a verse and preach on it, read a verse and preach on it. But I figured it would take me till probably Easter if I did that. So anyway, I'm going to share this with you this morning. Uh, I want to give you a couple of thoughts from these passages of scriptures. Um, and, and we're going to jump into it. Uh, man, I just wanted to share with you what God is doing. Um, you may receive, have to, the Bible says in Philippians 1 and 1, Paul and Timothy. Slaves of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers, which are the bishops and the deacons, deacons, grace to you, peace from our God, from God our Father, and the love of Jesus Christ. I give thanks to God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in every prayer, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now stop right there. Your first day. First day they were in Philippi. Who did they connect with last week? Lydia. I mean, then right after that, they connect with the Philippian jailer. And he was a partner. He was a partner. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it out in completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me. Circle that. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace both in imprisonment and the defense and establishment of the gospel. For God is my witness how I deeply miss all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment so that you can determine what really matters and can be pure and blameless in the day of Jesus Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God the Father. Father, let this word speak to our hearts today. God, I need you to take my life and just speak through it, Father. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you, God, that your eye is still on me. That you have not taken your eye off of me, God. Through every moment of affliction, through every moment of joy, through every trial, tribulation, and triumph, your eye has always been on me. And your eye is on your children today. Speak to their hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of things I want you to write down about this passage of Scripture this morning. First of all, I looked at it as the great revealing. The great revealing. Paul revealed some things in this verse about himself. He revealed some things about himself in this verse 
that he really hasn't revealed with the amount of depth in any other passage of scripture. He revealed that they were more, they had a relationship that went beyond the church. Because most of Paul's epistles and letters that he wrote, he wrote out and he said, Paul, an apostle. But he didn't start this letter out that way. He just says, Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. His relationship with the Philippian church was far deeper than just a, a relationship that took place on Sunday. What Paul was saying is, we are family. And there's sometimes when you do things in the, in the, in, 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 in the movement and the work of God that it's just business. But then there's other times that it's just family. And the churches that are making the difference aren't the churches that it's just business, but it's just family. That it's family matters. When family calls and you have a deep relationship with family, you will stop what you are doing, you will go to where they are, you will mortgage your house, you will give her your money, you will give her your assets, you will give her your time, you will give her your treasures to help out family when they're in need. Amen? And I want you to understand something today that Paul revealed here that his relationship was far greater than that. I'm a very simple-minded person, so I looked up what it meant to reveal. And you know, we know what it means to reveal. It means to look at. But when I looked at the definition of reveal, it was more than just making something known. It meant to lay it open. And then it even went further. It meant to place on exhibit. Now, we can reveal different things. We can reveal parts about ourselves that we only want certain people to know. But when Paul wrote the church, the letter to the church of Philippians, he laid open his whole life. And we're going to see this in the first 11 verses. He laid it open. And he says, guys, I want you to know everything about my life. I want you to understand everything about my life. I am putting my personal life on public display. I am making a public exhibit of it. That you may see my life. And you may gain strength. You may gain courage. You may gain triumph. You may gain some victory. What did Paul put on display? Well, there's four things that make up man. The Bible teaches us this in Matthew chapter 32, when Jesus, uh, 23, when he says, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. If I've counseled you at any amount of, with any length of time at all, you know that there's an exercise that we do. And one of the first things we do is on a scale from 1 to 10. I ask you to tell me where you are spiritually, where you are physically, where you are emotionally, and where are you mentally. And on a scale from 1 to 10, we'll evaluate that. And you know, we, some of you, we've done that exercise before. Because if any one of the four are out of balance in our life, our whole life is chaos. Now, Paul, remember, writes this letter to the church of Philippians, not from his nice home, not from the nice temple, not from the nice church, but he writes this from a Philippian jail. He writes this letter from a Philippian prison. And here's what he's wanting to say. 
He's writing this letter from a cave, from a hole in the ground. And here's what he reveals. Number one, he reveals where he is emotionally. Look at it, if you will, in the verses right here found in Philippians chapter 3. I give thanks. I give thanks. Look at verse 3. I give thanks. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Paul says, every time I think about you, I remember you. you your thoughts cross my mind. I give thanks unto God for you. Always praying with joy. For all of you in every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul says every time I think about you, I thank God. Every time, every time I pray, I pray for you. Here's what the Bible says in that verse. Always praying with joy for you in my every prayer. But the literal translation of this phrase in the Greek is, every time I pray, I pray for you. And I do pray for you with joy. So Paul in here reveals a little bit about where he's at emotionally, his emotional state. And there's a couple things you can jot down in your, in your, in your sermon notes here. Number one, look at the phrases. What, how do I know where he's at emotionally? Because he says, I think of you. Now, if you found yourself in a prison cell and, and left alone and right there in a difficult situation, we would be thinking about a lot of things, but I wonder who it would not be. But Paul says, I'm not thinking about my chains. I'm not thinking about my bondage. I'm not thinking about my affliction. I am thinking of you. When I pray, I pray for you. I'm not praying for food. I'm not praying for deliverance. I'm not praying for anything other than you. Paul says, I think of you. How do we know where Paul's emotional state is? How do we know that he's hitting on a 10? Because here's what he says, I give thanks. In prison, I'm not grumbling, I'm not complaining. In prison, I am giving thanks. Even though I'm not with you, even though I want to be with you, I am giving thanks for you. How do we know he's in a 10 on his emotional state? Because he says, I'm not wasting one prayer on myself. I'm spending all my prayers on you. And then he goes on and he says, I am filled with joy. In the midst of my praying for you, I am praying with joy. I am praying with joy. I'm not praying with a grudge. I'm not praying with an axe to grind. I am praying with joy for my baby church, for my fellow family at the church of Philippi. And then he goes on. And he says, because of you, I am not alone. Because I know you're praying for me. I know that you sent aid to me here in this prison. I know that you sent relief to me here in this prison. And so Paul, first of all, in the first few verses of this book in Philippians, because the church of Philippi is a wreck. Because their hero, their father in the ministry, their bishop, had found himself in prison. And they could not really get to Paul, and Paul could not get to them. Matter of fact, later on we'll see, Paul talks about, I know you're crying for me, I'm mindful of all that's going on. In the next few verses, in 12, he talks about, quit crying, this works out for the glory of God. 
But Paul is wanting the church of Philippi to know this. And even though I'm in bondage, even though I'm in prison, even though I may be a slave right now, I may be chained to a cell. You know this, that I have been chained to the cross. And because I am chained to the cross, no prison can confine me. No prison can defeat me. No prison can overwhelm me. Because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Paul says, I want you to know today, I am a ten, even though I should be a one. Second thing Paul reveals is not only his emotional state, but he reveals his spiritual state. Look at verse 6 here. He says this, I am confident in this. I am confident of this. I am sure of it that he who started a good work in me will carry it out into on the day of completion until Jesus Christ. This is a life verse. If you can't quote this verse when you're sleeping, if you can't quote it when you wake up, if you can't quote it when you go through the day, you better learn it. Stamp it on the back of your eyelids. Why in the world could Paul be okay emotionally? Because he was okay spiritually. If you're okay spiritually, it will help out your emotions. Now, I don't say a lot of profound things, so write that down. If you're okay spiritually, if you are a 10 spiritually, you will not be a 1 emotionally. And here's what Paul says, Church of Philippi, know this, that I may be in bondage, but understand that I will never be a slave to the world again because I have signed over the authority, the kingship, the right to rule my life to the right of Calvary, to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. When I was on the road to Damascus, I signed, sealed, and delivered the title to my life when Jesus personally spoke to me. And he says, I want you to know something. I am confident in this. And he who begun this good work will not give up, will not let up, but he will complete it. There's a couple things that Paul reveals here. He says, number one, I am confident in my prison. No. Am I confident in my church? No. Am I confident in Timothy? No. Am I confident that somebody else can do as good a job as I can? No. Later on, he says, nobody could love you like I do in the book of Philippians. Nobody could minister to you like I could. He's not confident in any of those things. He's not confident in his strength. But he says, I am confident in Jesus Christ. I am confident in the one who started this work. Where did he start the work? He started the work on the road to Damascus. Paul was on the road to Damascus to kill Christians. Head-on collision we looked at last week with a thrice holy God. His life was turned upside down in the world's eyes, but really God was turning his life right side up. And Paul says this, the guy who started this business on the road to Damascus, who struck me blind, who sent a man named Ananias to pray for me, and the scales fell off of my, life, my eyes, the guy who met me at the most difficult moment in my life is the one who started this. Therefore, it's his responsibility to finish it. And can I tell you that Jesus is not ADD? One of the worst characteristics of an ADD person is they don't finish what they start. That's not our Jesus. When he starts out to do something, he will complete it. 
And I want you to know right here, Paul's saying, I am confident in the ability of God to know where I am. The prison, the cave, the cell, the bars do not block the vision of Jesus Christ. I believe and I am the apple of his eye and God knows right where I am at in this prison cell and the bars cannot take God's eye off of me. And I want you to know something on the authority of the word of God. I don't care how high the funk may be today, how thick the despair may be in your life. I want you to know that God's eye is on you. God's eye is on you. And it does not affect his ability to see you. He was confident in his ability to know where he was. He was confident in his ability to protect him. Paul says, I'm not worried about anything because Christ is my protector. God's not finished with me yet, Church of Philippians, so don't worry about me going down right here. Can I make a statement that you'll probably disagree with, some of you? That you are immortal until God's finished with you. Now let that marinate for a while. Till God's will for your life is completed, when you're walking in his will, you are in an immortal state. I mean, God's not going to kill you. God's not going to take you home. God's not going to call you to glory until he's finished with you. Matter of fact, a few verses over in chapter 2, I mean, in chapter 1, Paul says, Man, I am torn up because I just want to go to heaven. But I realize that it's far better for me to stay here with you. And I'm not, God's not finished yet. So I'm going to stay here for you, Church of Philippians. If you ask me my will, I just say, okay, God, it's closer to your house today than it is mine. Set me free. And so as we begin to grasp these things, what, what God is saying here is that Paul was telling the Church of Philippians, God knows where I am. God knows he's the one to protect me. And God will be the one to deliver me because God's not through perfecting me. I am confident that God's not finished with me. Therefore, God will deliver me from these prison bars because he who begun a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was in a great place spiritually because he knew God wasn't finished with him. He knew God wasn't in prison because he, he knew that he wasn't in prison because he had sinned. He knew that he wasn't in prison because God didn't love him or God was being unkind to him. Paul knew that he was in prison. Matter of fact, next week we'll look at it by the will of God because through the will of God. Matter of fact, in the book of Philippians, I mean in Acts, we looked at last week that while Paul was in prison, a church was birthed. I want you to understand that you are on assignment as a royal ambassador for the king of glory. Therefore, everywhere you go, it is not by happenstance, but by providence. And God is wanting to work a work in your life. He's not taking his eye off of you. He's not failed to protect you. And he has not failed to deliver you. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And if you will throw yourself on his mercy seat and quit trying to figure it out, manipulate it, and work your way out, God will give you victory. Last week, I texted Pastor Ralph. I said, I don't really know what to think about this. And I forwarded him the text message that said, We will give you $750 a month for a year. His response to me was, I was just reading Philippians 1 and 6 when you sent the text. 
It's God's responsibility. Can I just tell you that when we started Family of Grace, we didn't have no money. We didn't have any ability and strength or finances on our own. But I want you to know this, that when you are doing what God wants, God's way, in God's time, it's not our responsibility to deliver. It's not our responsibility to figure it all out. It's our responsibility to do our part and leave the rest up to God. He was at a 10 spiritually. Because he was at a 10 spiritually, he was at a 10 emotionally. As we go further here, we'll see another thing. Paul revealed his psychological state. Look in verse 7, if you will. He goes on, and here's what he says in verse 7. It is right for me to think this way. Look at it. It is right for me to think this way. Circle it. Paul's defending his revealing, his laying on of an exhibit of his personal life. He, Paul lays for all the Philippian church to see his emotional being. Paul lays for all the Philippian church to see his spiritual being. And then he lays for all the Philippian church to see his psychological being. He says, it's right for me to think this way about God. Not just God, but about you. Because I have you in my heart. Circle it. He's talking about his emotional being again. And you are my partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the establishment of the gospel. How do we know Paul is a 10 psychologically? Because he says he is. It's right what I'm thinking. I don't need you to tell me I shouldn't think this way. I don't need you to tell me I should come up with another plan. I just need you to know this. That we are still partners. We are still in this thing together. We are still together to make a difference for the glory of God. So that we may reach the city of Philippi. So that we may impact the city of Philippi. For his name's sake. For his kingdom's sake. For the people of God may know the will of God. May know the way of God. That can understand the work of God. To get in the peace of God. To find the place of God. To go to the home of God. That they may not be separated. But all who were once far off may be brought near by the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary's cross. Paul reveals his psychological state. He says, I don't need you to tell me I ought to be thinking differently. It's right the way I'm thinking. And then lastly, he reveals his physical. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. He revealed his emotions. With all your soul, he revealed his spiritual place. With all your mind, he revealed his psychological place. With all your strength. Your strength is the physical part, where you are. Paul reveals where he is at physically in the, in the end of this chapter or in the end of these verses. Look a little bit further. He says, for God is my witness how I deeply miss you. Deeply miss you. Now, if you were in prison writing this, would you be saying, boy, I deeply miss my church? Or I deeply want to get out of here. And he goes on and says, I deeply miss you, all of you, with the affection of Jesus Christ. Not just my own love, not just my own strength, but the affection of Jesus Christ. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and in every kind of discernment so that you can determine what really matters and can be pure and blameless in the day of Jesus Christ. Feel with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to him the glory and praise of God. 
Paul says, you're my partner when I'm free. You're my partner when I'm in prison. Paul says, it doesn't matter if I'm teaching you at the temple in Philippi or if I am teaching you with my my scroll, my parchment, and a pen. I want you to know this, that my residence does not determine my confidence. My residence does not determine my confidence in you, in Christ Jesus, and the way of God. Conditions on the ground do not affect the conditions in my heart, the conditions in my soul, the conditions in my mind. I, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, but to you, the church of Philippians, a bondservant, a slave of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I want you to know this, that the things that turned out for me have turned out for the advancement of the gospel. Why? Because I did not allow my circumstance to affect his providence. And today, I want you to understand something, my brothers and sisters. I don't know where you may be emotionally. I don't know where you may be spiritually. I don't know where you may be physically or psychologically. But I can tell you this. That God's will for your life is for you to be in victory. God's will for your life is not to be a one when you can be a ten. God's will for your life is not to live your spiritual life or your physical life as a half-baked Christian, but to live it with all the power that's been given unto you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we've gone through this sermon this morning, I hope that the Lord has spoken to your heart. I want you to remember today that he who begun a good work in you will complete it. God has not forgotten you and he's not taking his eye off on you. If there is anything that we can do at Family of Grace to help you in your spiritual journey, it would be a blessing. If you're looking for a place to plug in and make a difference in central Louisiana, we'd invite you to come out and worship with us. Come and catch our vision and see what God is doing. We are trying to penetrate our city with the good news and hope of Jesus Christ. I hope that God has spoke to your heart today. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will encourage and equip and challenge Help us to be conformed to the image of your Son. In your name we pray. Amen. I would like to take a few moments to recognize the people who made this ministry possible. Tampering Ground Coffee Shop in downtown Alexandria. If you're looking for a great place to hang out or have a break and a wonderful cup of coffee, please stop by and see Jeff and thank him for his support of our ministry. Looking for childcare? Visit College Camp located in the heart of Pineville. It is a licensed aid facility that has been in existence since 2008. For more information, call 318 484-2762.
This ministry would not be possible without these partners. At FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org.